Happy Mother's Day to those of you who are moms today. It's a great day to celebrate you. Uh, I celebrate and honor my mom. She used to dress us up on Mother's Day, so I want to keep that tradition alive for her today. I'm excited to be able to speak some love to you, to see what God's word has to say about uh, moms. Uh, We're all better. I'm a better man. I'm a better husband. I'm a better son. And I'm just a better man of God because of my mom's influence in my life. And truly, her impact in my life has shaped who I am today. I mean, she's mighty. My mom is five foot one inch tall. And uh, at the age of 75, she arm wrestled my then 16-year-old daughter and beat her (laughs) in arm wrestling. Uh, I think she worked out on me is where she gained her strength. Um, But uh, she now... Um, is you know a, a tough station of life with Alzheimer's, but God's with her and she knows Jesus Christ, and I'm grateful that God is with her uh, even this morning. And I know I'll talk to her again one day in heaven, and we'll have clear conversations because of the deposit of Jesus Christ and the Spirit that lives in her. I I, I rejoice in that. So grateful for my mom and the investment. Uh, in my, my own life uh, today. Moms, you are like a personal assistant. You give us advice that only you can give. Sometimes we don't want to listen to it, uh, depending upon the stage of life or if we're being selfish. But what if we had an assistant that you could purchase that was a mom? It might look just like this. Well, it's finally happened. You've moved out. You're on your own. Congratulations. But everyone still needs a little help sometimes. Mom, have you seen my wallet? It's in your back pocket. Nah, I checked there. Your other back pocket, dear. Ah, thanks, Mom. Introducing the Mom Personal Assistant, the only smart speaker device with all the wisdom, caring, and sage advice of a mother. Mom, please call Brad. Honey, I'm just not sure he's right for you. Just call him. Okay, calling Ryan. No, Mom, I said call Brad. Trust me. The Mom PA always has your best interests in mind. Wish me luck, Mom. Big interview today. Did you eat breakfast? Uh... Is that what you're wearing? Wait, what? Did you even shower? She's there to provide a helping hand whenever you need it. Mom, set a timer for 40 minutes. Mom? The Mom Personal Assistant won't function until you say the magic word. Oh, right. Mom... Please set a timer for 40 minutes. Sure thing, hon, but it's only 30 minutes for that dish. The mom PA is always correct and basically knows everything. Mom, what setting should I use for this laundry? Mom, do you think I should color my hair? Hey, mom, can you please order mac and cheese? You still have two boxes. What? No, we're out. Did you look? Yeah, I just looked. It's gone. Do you want me to look? Uh, No, no, it's okay. I'll go look again. Try looking with your eyes this time. Based on God's perfect design, the mom personal assistant is thoughtful, kind, encouraging, and supportive. You are beautiful. It's okay. You're going to get through this. I am so proud of you. You can change the world. But right now, hon, you really need to change your socks because they smell like a dumpster. (sighs) Mom. The mom personal assistant. Always helpful, always reliable, and always there for you. Uh, Can we hear it for mom? (laughs) 
The influence of a mother in the lives of her children is beyond calculation. Grab your Bibles and let's just take a look at that and turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to read verses 3 through 7, and as you're turning there, we're going to read that out loud. Would you stand in our auditoriums, and those of you who are tuning in online, would you stand with us too? And let's read this. 2 Timothy, this is written by Paul, give you some context here. He wrote 13 books in the New Testament. This is a book written, a letter written to young Timothy, who is an up-and-coming pastor. He wants to be a preacher. And so Paul has given him all the wisdom that he has as, as a man of God. And so he's, he wrote this letter, probably through secretary manuenses, and some parts he wrote with his own hands in some of the epistles. So Timothy receives this letter. Think about this. You're getting a letter. You go to your mailbox. You open it up, and there's this letter. He gets it from Paul, and Paul, at the beginning of this letter, reminds him of these words. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses three through seven. Let's read it together. Ready, read. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in laying on my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You may have a seat. Every one of us has been shaped by our moms, whether we want to admit that or not. Seriously, our children... Josh, Hannah, and Isaiah have the fabric of Ann all through them, and I am so grateful that they do. Paul's appeal is to Timothy to remind him right away at the beginning of this letter, and he says, the reason that you trust in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is because it was deposited into you by not only your mother, but your grandmother. It's an encouragement to see that moms can share Christ in such a way that children come to know them personally. The words coming from a beloved mentor would have a powerful impact on this young Timothy. We all have heritage. We have things that have been passed down from us, a family tree. We all have some spiritual history, whether it's good or bad. We all, as Christians, have someone that has influenced us, who has shared Christ, and the greatest gift that a mother can give to their child, quite frankly, is Jesus Christ. You could never buy them anything that would compare to Christ. There's no earthly anything that's more important than Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, Timothy, I want you to remember how you got to this point because of the faith of your mother and the faith of your grandmother. Sometimes, mom, you wonder if you're truly making a difference based upon the season of life that your child is in. Maybe it's a rebellious or denial stage, or maybe they're just not open to God, and, and maybe as adults, when they moved out, they're, they're kind of on their own, and you wonder if what you did really made a difference. Your faith often is more caught than it is taught. I would say this, the prayers of a mama 
have no expiration date to them. Personally, I know this, my mom would tell me stories of her grandmother, my great-grandmother. She remembers her sitting on a swing in the backyard. She could go up to her and she would be praying and she was praying not only for my mom, but for the generation after that and the generation. Before I was even born, there was a great-great-grandmother in my life, in our kids' lives, that was praying for them. That's one of the best gifts that you can give. My last conversation where my mom spoke with us, where she barely recognized us, was a few years ago. She has Alzheimer's, and so she's in the woes of Alzheimer's. And we were there visiting her, and so we... I, I had downloaded some songs on my iPhone, songs that she was familiar with, some hymns. And so we sat together and, and I, I played these and, and she would hear some words and she would sing them. But we were seated on her bed about ready to leave for that morning and I looked at my mom and, and if you've ever been near someone with dementia or Alzheimer's, it kind of looks straight through you. And I just looked at mom. I said, mom, can you pray for us? And it was as if something clicked, total clarity. It was as if this natural thing that she had always done just dropped right into motion. And I pulled him beside her and put my arm around her. And she prayed the most crystal, clear prayer. She said, oh, I pray for Jimmy. I pray for his marriage and I, I pray for his kids. And she prayed this most beautiful, elegant prayers. I just wept sitting beside her. And then she said, in Jesus' name, amen. And then when she was done praying, she looked at me as if she didn't know me. But here's what I know to be true. In those situations, you revert back to what you're familiar with. You go back and do what you've always done. And I know that even today, as my mom lays bedridden, and often my, I wonder, God, you know, what's purpose for her life? And I trust in your character, God, more than I do my feelings right now. And I wonder what she's doing. And I got to believe that even though she's not familiar with those who are around her, that while she lays in her bed, she is praying out to God. And I picture that now, like, as long as she's alive, I believe the possibility exists that she continues to pray. There is no doubt in my mind that she has unlocked things from God over my life. There is no doubt that her prayers have kept me on the straight and narrow, if you know me. There is no doubt that the beautiful bride and love of my life, Anne, in my life is because of my mama's prayer. There is no doubt that our children love Jesus Christ with all of their hearts, and our son-in-law does too, because of my mom's prayers. Moms, let me encourage you. Your prayers have no expiration date on them. And even though you might not see what you want now, <laughs> those prayers and the effects are still before the throne room of our God. 
Never, moms, never underestimate your influence and your consistency in the home, in the life of your child. You bring such peace and stability to your children's lives. Plus, a mother's hug lasts after she long lets go. You are shaped by your mom's influence. All of us are. Just recently, we did, I did it once before, and we did it again yesterday. I took the Enneagram um, testing again, and the number that I was was 98%. I mean, it was so high. It was like, well, that's, we knew that. And the truth is, we had some fun with it. I said, the reason I'm that is because of my mom. <laughs> because she would tell me, oh, Jimmy, you can do anything in the power of God. I remember my mom waving a dollar bill at a race, a 100-yard race. We used to call it yards before meters. And, and, and it was on a, a, a cinder turf. And my mom waved it out. She said, Jimmy, if you beat those guys, I'll give you a dollar bill. And I remember, I was in sixth grade, and the guys beside me, I looked over and I could see his waist. I was just, I was just tall. But down at the end of this finish line was my mama waving this dollar bill in the air. Go, Jimmy, go. That spirit of don't give up. And I remember coming to the end, I dove through the finish line, slid across the cinder tracks. Some of you remember cinder tracks and won the race and my mom was jumping up and down. But all that to say, her influence in my life and the chant that she taught us, we would sit in the back of a station wagon and she would, she would teach us this chant and screaming at the tops of our lungs, Rain, hail, lightning, thunder, and the Browns and the Anderson will never go under. Never, never, never. But that's what, that's me. Is that me? <laughs> it's my mom's influence in my life. Moms, you have power to shape confidence and godliness like Lois and Eunice did here. And Paul is reminding Timothy that he is who he is because of his mom and grandma. He also says this in 2 Timothy chapter three, and look at verse 14. As he continues this final charge, he's telling him, before you go on and teach, this is what I want you to remember, Timothy. And he says in 2 Timothy three fourteen. but as for you, continue in what you have heard and learned, Timothy, and have become convinced of. In other words, these things that were entrusted to you, that were deposited into you, continue in them, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. How? Because of his mama and his grandma. That's why. He says, cling to the truth of God's word, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then there's this verse that we often quote, and you probably memorize, but the context of this verse is Paul speaking to Timothy, reminding him that the word of God has been placed in his heart from his mom and his grandma. And then he says this in verse 16. All scripture, Timothy, is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And he says, you learned that a long time ago. And what you learned a long time ago as a kid, it still is true today as it was 
when your mama opened up the word of God and read it to you. Moms, you have incredible influence on your children. Never stop believing that God can help your children turn the corner in their walks with God either. By the way, when you are looking at your mother, you are often looking at the purest love you will ever know. I believe that with all of my heart when it's done right. I asked the question this week on social media for anyone that was wanting to, to respond to this question. 160 people responded back. It was interesting to see who took the time to respond back. These three things surfaced to the top of the most important or the thing you appreciate and love the most about your mom. Here are the top three things that, that children said about their moms. She taught me to love Jesus, she prayed for me, and she showed me unconditional love. <laughs> Can you see how that shapes someone? Taught him Jesus, prayed for him, and showed me what unconditional love is. Moms, what happens though in this journey is sometimes you think, that no one sees you. You think that this, this hard task that no one can do but you, somehow no one notices you, and if you're not, not certain of that, you begin to believe the lies that the enemy tells you that what you're doing isn't important. And you must remember that you're not invisible and God sees you. How many moms in this listening room today in the other auditoriums and online would say, there's times I feel invisible. I don't know if anyone sees what I do. Day after day, you go through the routines of your home and you wonder if anyone ever notices what you've done. You wonder if your children even notice. In fact, all you want feel like is they just want you to notice them. How many times have you went to your mom through the years and said, mom, watch this, watch this, watch that. And, and mothers, each time you do that, you wonder again if anyone sees what you're doing. And you want to be seen, yet you wonder if you are seen. And if you're not careful and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, you'll begin to believe a lie that what you're doing isn't as important as you think it is. You'll begin to believe that no one really cares what you do because you never hear thank you. And you begin to wonder if God even sees you. Nicole Johnson, an author, wrote this in regards to feeling invisible. It's one of the best pictures of feeling invisible, yet recognizing that what you're doing is the most important thing on planet Earth. Nicole Johnson wrote this. She said, I would walk into a room and no one would notice me. I would say something to my family like, turn the TV down, please. And nothing would happen. No one would even get up or even make a move for the remote control. I would stand there for a minute and then I would say again a little louder, would someone turn the TV down? Nothing. 
That's when I started putting all the pieces together. I don't think anyone can see me. I'm invisible. It all began to make sense, the blank stares, the lack of response, the way one of the kids would walk into the room while I'm on the phone and ask to be taken to the store. Instead, I think, can't you see that I'm on the phone, Nicole writes? Obviously not. No one can see if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or standing on my head in the corner. No one can see me because I'm the invisible mom. Some days I'm only a pair of hands and nothing more. Can you fix this? Can you tie this? Can you open this? Some days I'm merely a clock to ask what time it is. Some days I'm a satellite guide to answer. What number is the Disney Channel? Some days I'm a crystal ball. Where's my other sock? Where's my phone? What's for dinner? Hands, a clock, a crystal ball, but always feeling invisible. One night, some girlfriend and I were having dinner, celebrating a return of a friend from England. She had just gotten back from a fabulous trip and was telling wonderful stories. She said, I sat there looking around at the others also put together, so visible and vibrant, it was hard not to compare and began feeling sorry for myself. I was feeling pretty and pathetic when my friend turned to me with a beautifully wrapped package and said, I bought this for you. It was a book on the great cathedrals of Europe. I wasn't exactly sure why she'd given it to me until I read her inscription with admiration for the greatness of what you are building when no one sees you. In the days ahead, I read, no, I devoured the book. And I discovered what would become for me four life-changing truths. Number one, no one can say who built the great cathedrals. We have no record of their names. Number two, these builders gave their whole lives for a work they would never see finished. Number three, they made great sacrifices and expected no credit. Number four, the passion of their building was fueled by their faith that the eyes of God saw everything. In the book, there was the legend of a rich man who came to visit the cathedral while it was being built. He saw a worker carving a tiny bird on the inside of a beam. He was puzzled and he asked the man, why are you spending so much time carving that bird into a beam that will be covered by the roof? No one will ever see it. And the worker replied, because God sees it. After reading that, I closed the book, feeling the missing piece fall into place. It was almost as if I heard God whispering to me, I see you, I see the sacrifices you make every day, even when no one around you does. No act of kindness you've done, no sequin you've sewn on, no cupcake you've baked, no last minute errand is too small for me to notice and smile over. You are building a great cathedral, but you can't see now what it will become, but I see. When I chose to view myself as a great builder instead of an invisible mom, I keep the right perspective. When I really think about it, I don't want my son to tell the friend he's bringing home from college for Thanksgiving. My mom gets up at four in the morning, bakes homemade pies, and then she hand bastes a turkey for three hours and presses all the linens for the table. That would mean I'd build a monument to myself. 
but I don't want that. I just want him to come home with a friend and share a wonderful meal as a family. The author of the book went so far as to say that no cathedrals could ever be built in our lifetime because there are so few people willing to sacrifice to that degree. I disagree, Nicole says. As mothers, we are building great cathedrals. We cannot be seen if we're doing it right, which is why we may feel invisible some days. But one day, it's very possible that the world will marvel not only at what we have built, but at the beauty that has been added to the world by the sacrifices of invisible mothers. You see, what you do often goes overlooked. Sometimes by your own husband. Sometimes by your own children. Because you don't hear from them enough. Thank you. You invested in me. But hear me out. God sees you. And you are building cathedrals for the kingdom of God. And you remained unnoticed, but one day, this beautiful child that you have poured into, invested into, will one day be impacted by what you've done for them. And there will be a deep appreciation, a love like no love because of what you've done for them. As I think back at my own mom's life, I didn't go to her enough as a kid and say, man, mom, thanks. But oh, do I feel it now. I stand on the shoulders of my praying mom and all the blessings and favor and healing and love that I've experienced is because my mom has tried her best to build me into a man of God. Don't ever underestimate the impact that you're making on your children today. A mother can look through a child's eyes and see tomorrow. A mother can understand what a child does not even say. There are times that I can look at our kids growing up and I could look right at them. And Anne would come along and she would look right at them. And she would say, Jim, it's not good. I was like, what? <laughs> it's not good. Moms, you have this innate nurturing ability to care like men can never do. Never underestimate these deposits of love. You might not even see it in your lifetime, this child flourishing Christ, but one day, far beyond your years, the impact of your nurturing and godliness deposited and trusted into this child will not only impact them, but the generations to come. The good news is this. It's good for all of us. We have a God who sees and notices us. <laughs> In fact, there's an instance in the Bible where a woman gives God a name. Look at Genesis chapter 16. 
It's a woman that felt unnoticed. It's a woman that felt used. It's a woman that found herself running from her responsibilities and she was pregnant with a child from Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 13, it says this, Hagar, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Laha Roar. It is still there between Kadesh and Beer. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. Hagar embodies her name, which means flight. She was fleeing away, wondering if God even notices her. And she gets visited by an angel who speaks to her, encourages her, gives her direction. And at the end of the conversation, she gives God a name, Elroy, the God who sees. Hagar is the only person in scripture to name God. And what does she say? The God who sees. There's comfort in that, not only for moms, but for us. We are never out of the sight or the presence of our God. It's this characteristic of God, his all-seeing ways, that each mom who works and plays and parents must understand and believe. You see, when you struggle to maintain a healthy work schedule despite numerous pressures, God sees you. When you attempt to potty train your three-year-old for the umpteenth time, having given up on M&Ms and begging in tears on the floor, God sees you. When you feel like Hagar tempted to flee the house because you feel like you're underappreciated, no one sees you, don't they know what you do? God sees you. When you do the right thing, though everyone else rails against it, including your own child, who storms out of the room and says, I hate you, God sees you. There is no place that God can't see. There is no situation he cannot discern. He sees all. The Bible attests to it beautifully. Moms, you need to see yourself like God sees you. Because if you don't, a false belief will surface quickly. And often a false belief or lie has wedged itself between how God defines you and seeing yourself in the same light. You don't need to do more for him to be accepted and loved by him. God sees you, he loves you. When you begin to process all that a mom does, I mean, here's a few things. With the pressure to be the glue that holds the family together, do the laundry, drive the kids around to sports practices, cook the supper, do your hair and primp up, learn how to carry a gun, meet your husband at the door after the baby has puked over you all day, run four miles, milk the cows, vacuum the house, answer all the Facebook messages from your girlfriends before they think you're mad at them, 
make the doctor and dentist appointments, pull the weeds out of the flower beds, speak baby talk all morning, wash the dirty dishes from breakfast and lunch all before 8 a.m. so that you can drop off the kid's homework that your son forgot to take to school right after you gas up the van that your husband said he would do the night before. That's moms, huh? It's no wonder you're tired. But hear me. That's when the enemy whispers, what you're doing isn't valuable. You could be doing much more, but hear me out. What you're doing, only you can do. You are building cathedrals that could one day change the world for Jesus Christ. That investment is priceless. And God has given you that chance to do that. But if you don't believe that, and there's a wedge driven between how God defines you and how he sees you, and this wedge comes in from the enemy and says, you're worthless, what you're doing doesn't matter, you should have done this when the child was better or younger, you did the wrong thing, and when you begin to believe those lies, contentment leaves, and you find yourselves trying to do something to bring your identity through another means instead of resting in the security and identity in Jesus Christ. When contentment is fleeting, you know what happens? Control begins to surface in an unhealthy way for moms, which leads to anxiety and worry. And here are the thoughts that begin to replace the truth because there's a wedge that you've allowed a foothold from the enemy, a lie, instead of seeing yourself as Christ sees you, and you begin to say these kinds of things. If I don't take control now and earn an income, I will not be able to fend for myself when he is gone. Or I'm not getting recognized for all that I do behind the scenes and I deserve more. Or I better run a controlling environment so I get what I want because otherwise it will not go good for them or for me. Or when the kids are out of the house, he will find someone much younger and leave me. So I better do whatever it takes now to set me up when he runs. Or God must not love me because this life is too hard and that person has so much more than I have. And I want what they have and that will surely make me happy. And so you go on this pursuit of collecting and achieving and accomplishing instead of resting in the security and identity of Christ alone. Or, God, I don't know that you're real because if you were real, then it wouldn't be so hard. Being a mom is an irreplaceable role, and hear me out, and it's not for the faint of heart. Can I get an amen? Amen. Moms, you need to remember this, as do Dads, but 
today I want to encourage you, turn to 1 Peter chapter two, and I want you to just to cling to this verse, and I want you to repeat this verse all day today, maybe even put it on a chalkboard in your kitchen and in your home, maybe you go to somewhere and have a sign made, maybe you make a sign and you put this on your wall, 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen people, mom. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are God's special what? What's your Bible say? Possession. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Think about that for a minute, moms. God has taken occupancy in your heart And he says, you are a special possession of his. When the question is asked, whose are you? You can say, I am his and he is mine. You are loved by the eternal God of the universe. (laughs) That's incredible. You don't have to do it alone. Even single moms, you're never alone. God sees you, provides, he is with you. He's a father to the fatherless. There have been many, many studies that summarize what only a mom can offer to their child. And it comes down to five or six things. Here's what a mom can do for their child. These are the the, the pieces, the fabric that if you were to open up a child that's been impacted by their godly mom, these are the things that you've helped shape that Paul was saying was passed down from, from Lois and Eunice even down to Timothy. The first one is this. You give them the fabric or the DNA of safety. You're a consistent, caring, and soft, understanding and your attention to your child when they say, mom, 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 you create safety in their lives. You offer a nurturing spirit. Think about this. We were created with needs to go deeper, even our physical needs for food. We need the immaterial spiritual requirements of a relationship in order to live, and only moms can nurture and provide that. You require or even And trust, basic trust. Basic trust is the ability to invest oneself in a relationship. We first experience many instances of trustworthiness before we can truly trust others. We aren't born trusting, but moms, you have this ability to help your child trust. Fourthly, you have the ability to create belonging and invitation. We all need to belong to someone into something bigger than ourselves. Belonging and love are at the root of humanness. Mother's love makes a child feel cared for, feel wanted, and it transfers into later feelings of worth and confidence in relation. You show me a confident child, I'll show you a mom that welcomed that child, that made that child feel like he belonged or she belonged, invited them in and spoke into their life. I will show you a confident man or woman. You know what else you are able to do? 
you're able to show your child that it's okay to love someone, to be vulnerable in expressing yourself and opening yourself up to love. A mother provides someone for the child to love, she is a good object of love. In order to develop emotionally, physically, intellectually, and socially, we need not only be loved, but to love. Love fills us up, and the emotional development of a mother's investment in the child pours into them, and they are able to freely love others. For 25 years, I've stood on Grace Communities stage on Mother's Day. I know better today how much pain is in a room like this than I did 25 years ago. I know much better the suffering. I know much better the hurt that resides in this room, in the South Auditorium, and online. But here's what else I know to be true. God's Love can invade that space and bring healing and comfort like no one else. I began today by saying that moms are irreplaceable. And before I close today, I want to acknowledge all the places that women find themselves today. And let me also say this. Thanks for showing up. (laughs) Thanks for walking through pain. Thanks for walking through hardship. Thanks for walking through something very difficult. And by the way, the majority in this room, we are celebrating. Thanks for coming and celebrating. So let me just say this to the emotions and the women in this room. Let me offer you this encouragement. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods, tears and disappointment. We walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't really mean to make it harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. 
To those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. (laughs) To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you hold that child near and dear in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, 2021, we walk with you, and mothering is not for the faint of heart. We have real warriors in our midst today. We remember you, we love you, and we thank God for you. Lord, we love you, and we're grateful, God, and in, in this complex circle of emotion that we find ourselves in this morning, that you are a God that can meet every need with comfort, and security, and peace, and health. And so God, I pray today that, that moms and ladies would walk away knowing that you are with them and that you see them and you see how they care for their children. Thank you, God. I pray for a special blessing on moms today. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a song that's out that captures the heartbeat of, of moms. And Jeremy and I had a conversation. We both have praying moms. Jeremy's mom is with the Lord. But this song captures the picture of, of what a mom can do in the power of talking to Jesus. Just sit there until the appropriate time comes to join in and be blessed by these powerful words. <laughs>